and welcome to the In Contention Podcast. This is Sam Stoddard, your host, with Matt Cransuber. Good evening. And Ruben the Beard Breslin. Yeah, it's coming in nice. It is it nice. Is. Wow. It's, keeps me warm. Yeah, I have nothing to protect me. Bald, Beards are awesome. No facial hair. Beards are fantastic. It's awful. I actually just sit in my cubicle at work with a scarf and a, and a winter hat on. It's, you know. Yeah, but you're a wuss, so you might do that regardless. Maybe. I may or may not have a heating pad, too. Oh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't have a heating pad. Come on. But True I sleep or one. false? <laughs> Matt Cransover has several heating pads around just to keep warm. Be that as it may, we have lots of stuff to talk about tonight. Uh, let's go through the old hashtags. So, hashtags. Hashtag DKA. So, we're going to talk about the Dark Ascension spoiler, which uh, we have a pre-release coming up this weekend. Uh, we're going to talk about the impact that Dark Ascension has on various constructed formats from standard all the way to vintage. And uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about hashtag cube, DKA cube, um, and uh, s- not just t- to talk about what cards you should or should not be adding to your cube based on this update or uh, the new set, but also a possible new archetype. Right, that a little bit of cube theory. Yeah, cube we'll theory, discussing. sure. Uh, next one we got, hashtag vapor snag, which is, uh, you know, it's going to probably be a part of our Dark Ascension discussion as we talk about evaluating cards in constructive formats. Um, and then we're going to talk about the Food for Africa 1K or FFA 1K uh, results that Ruben played in um, this past weekend in Cincinnati that he uh, did very well in. And then we're going to talk a little bit about modern, and so that's a pretty big agenda. We'll probably be here, you know, six or seven hours. We'll probably like quit somewhere after DKA's. We'll get to yeah. Well, okay. So so I thought about this the other day. Um, when we used to do spoiler casts, we would actually just get the full spoiler out and start at the top, and like, you know, it, the the MTG Salvation spoiler always goes in the same order, you know, uh, the, the same color order. So. We would, we would start at the top. So, like, for instance, Dark Ascension, the first card is, is Archangel's Light. And it's a mythic rare. Um, and we would just discuss that for five minutes. Yeah, we'd be talking about it for five minutes. Which, you know, sure, you could probably talk about uh, Archangel's Light for five minutes. But then what we would do is we would continue to do that. And we would have a good discussion. But then, like, two hours in, we'd realize that, like... We're still in blue. Yeah, we're in blue. And there's, like, three colors left. So then we'd, we'd get down. So, you know, right now I'm scrolling down to the bottom. So now we're in red. And we'd be like... Mark of Blade Master. Oh, that's Double Strike. Oh, that's great. Yeah, okay. Uh, let's go on. Mark of Warlord. And we just spend no right. time on cards that actually deserve that time. When I, right. um, this those are two good examples. Limited too, Resources have started doing this. Because Limited Resources does now. They do a, a limited set review. Yeah. And they started rotating which color they start with first. Because, yeah, because, you know, you you know, you know can talk forever about some random white card. And then you get down and you're like... So, uh, there's this, you know, red planeswalker, and you're like, ah, yeah, whatever, abilities, abilities, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> We're running out of time. It's already at three hours. You know, but you spent, like, 75 minutes discussing, you know, some random life gain spell. Right. Because right. you started in what? Yeah, because it has an angel in it. The, in the- but these days, we know better, so we're, we try to keep it in the context of what we think uh, we have the best handle on. Which so is instead mostly... of wasting time talking about white and blue cards, we waste four minutes explaining to you how we won't talk about white. That's cards. true. Yes, yeah. it's very so important. So hopefully that, uh, that little segue was 
you know, enlightening for you. Anyway, let's go. Stoddard, we got a spoiler. Let's right. talk about a card. So we we yeah. all have our, our top five lists, and we've discussed with each other which cards well, we're going to talk about. And they're about. not really top five They're not really lists, top five. But because, like, there's a lot of cards. We didn't want to all be like, oh, yeah, blah, blah. Like, this like Graph Digger's Cage. We're, right. we're probably not going to talk a lot about we've, that we've, We discussed it last time, and there's been a lot of discussion on it already. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to pick cards that, they're, that we haven't seen it or heard any discussion on yet. That we think could have an impact. Well, it seems it just some disc- Okay, we just wanted to ha- to enlighten with new information. We just didn't want to each go because like, if we did our top fives, we'd probably overlap a lot. So we're yeah. just all talking about different cards. Yeah, how about we just say that? As sure. to I like it. Split, explaining our methodology for thirty minutes. I like it. All right, first card I want to talk about. I'm going to start off rogue. Lost in the woods, <laughs> which is I'm sure not a good card, but it is probably. One of the coolest cards in the set. Yeah, it's very... I like the top-down design. Like, the, even even though it, there's a lot of really, really, really good cards in Innistrad and Dark Ascension for tournament players, they've also made an effort to put in these flavorful cards that if, if you were a new player and you opened that card, you would be happy that you started playing this game because you're like, man, that's insanely cool. Well, it's cool because you get, like, a... Um, it's one of those things where when you're playing, uh, there are cards that do fun things and, and build tension. This is the kind of card where you attack and you're like, oh man, I hope my guy doesn't get lost in the woods. And they flip over, they're like, forest. You're like, ah, oh, he's lost in the woods! <laughs> you know, and, and the, what the card does is it's a, a, an enchantment for three green green. And whenever a creature attacks you or a planeswalker you control, you reveal the top card of your library. And if it's a forest, uh, they get removed from combat. And so the idea is that, you know, you're, you're a planeswalker and you're... You got all these forests. You still have all these forests. And uh, guys come to attack you, and they just get lost because, you know, it's Hansel and Gretel type stuff. Real horror story thing. And Unfortunately, Jason is not in the woods. Though, <laughs> though if you wanted to, <coughs> the deck that I've heard people talking about is basically four lost in the woods, one Emrakul, and then everything else is forests. And you get a mulligan all the way down to lost in the woods every time because, you know... You're, you're going to drain 55 forests. Exactly. You know, if, if, worst case scenario, you're, you know, you're mulligan to one out of Lost in the Woods. You're probably still going to be able to cast it on turn five throughout the draw. And uh, you just, you know, your, your opponent just keeps attacking you, and you're like, nope, 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 nope. Now, I like this deck idea. Um, I don't play a lot of, um, like, I play a lot of casual magic, but not uh, necessarily kitchen table magic. And what I've, 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 Wanted to build an Ashnod's Altar, um, Saperling Symbiosis deck similar to back Symbiosis, Symbiosis, Symbiosis whatever. Uh, from uh, back in Urza's Saga Type 2. Um, and I never ended up building it. I started amassing like four and Black Border Chronicles cards. But what I, what I wanted to do was just collect them. Standard crannies. Well, no, I just wanted to, to build the deck just because I thought that there's a lot of cool cards in it that I could get, like, in a weird language or, you know, get an artist to sign it. Just to have this neat, like, co- sort of collaboration of cards to sit down and, you know, th- I, I think that would be fun. I think it would be fun to build a Lost in the Woods deck with w- different kinds of forests. Like, maybe you do, like, 54 forests and each one of them is special. Like, maybe you have a Guru, maybe you have a... Foil unhinged. Maybe you have like one signed by Garfield and somebody else, or maybe like each one of them is going to be signed by a pro or something. I don't right. know. But um, like now, that for Lost in the Woods, it has to be the card name Forest, right? 
Yeah. So you can't have snow-covered forests. I think... You can't get lost in the snow-covered woods. You can't have temple gardens, of course. I don't know if it's a no. It's a, it's forest. a forest card. Oh, oh forest okay. card. Oh, so, so you, you can have real dried arbors. You can have dried arbors. Whoa. Well, okay. If you're all, all you're playing are lost in the woods. No, this this deck is going to be modern. I'm telling you. If I'm playing as lost woods and forests, why exactly are we uh, building this? Deck? Are, are we playing dual lands? <laughs> I don't know. Just for lulls. I, no, I just I just want to have I want to have this deck built and fully pimped out. Yeah. And then, you know, go to an event like Gen Con and someone, you know, wants to, to get, get into a grinder and then be like, yeah, I'll help you play test. And then just play it and it's like, looks all nice. And they're like, yeah, yeah, this guy's got, you know, some band deck or something. And on turn five, I play that. And then they realize, you know, ten turns later that, that all you have and is the, like And that. the nice thing is that because uh, it only gets the card. Like I said, a card always gets put in the bottom. Yeah. Right? I was thinking that you only got to put the bottom of the forest, but I guess that uh, wasn't a forest, but that'd be really bad because then you just get locked out if you uh, miss. <laughs> but, you know, you can always just play this with, you know, top. So now that we've spent that much time talking about Not lost in the woods, easily the most casual card. If in you guys set, are still awake, then uh, let's, let's dig into maybe a real card. Sorry, Stad. Um, okay, so the card that I want to talk about is actually my favorite card in the set. Um, I may have said I had a different favorite card last time, but that doesn't matter. Um, it's Geralt's Messenger, which name is super weird to me. I guess it's a it's a keyworded or not a keyworded, but a proper noun name in the set. You see the name Geralt pop up a right. bunch in flavor text and otherwise. But you should just call it Basement Finks. Basement Finks. So what this guy is? It's black, black, black for a three-two, and this battlefield tapped, um, and uh, he your opponent loses two life and he the battlefield, and he is undying. So, uh, when he enters the battlefield, like, you know, you get to do the opposite of Kitchen Finks, and he has the same stats as Kitchen Finks, and he does the ab- absolute opposite of Kitchen Finks. Right. Um, is he a 3-2? He's, he's a 3-2. Yeah, yeah. wow. Now, he, he's bonkers. I was thinking he was a 2-2. His two, two. cost is different uh, for a very good reason, in that if this, this guy was actually splashable in another deck, it would have it would caused be, lots of issues. Yeah. So, he's, he's going to be strictly relegated to... Mono black deck, not necessarily mono black. Mostly but very, black. very heavy black. Now, have you heard of the combo deck people are trying to put together with this? No. So what is it? Uh, you have birthing pod, right? Mm-hmm. And so you get out a messenger. Okay. So then you pay, uh, you pay uh, one and two life, uh-huh. and you sack messenger, okay. who then comes back into play and you nug your opponent, and you get a uh, Phyrexian metamorph. Okay, so okay. copy the um, copy the messenger. Well, no, what you can do copy the birthing pod is copy the um, well, like yeah, you can copy the messenger or you can copy the uh, the birthing pod. Uh huh. And if you copy the birthing pod, then you get to use it uh, again that turn to get a sack, you know, to get a metamorph. But I guess that's probably I guess you would need two messengers at that point to do anything productive. Um, and that's still like a eight eight point. Yeah. Thing, right. I mean, right. Now, or or you can just you know you can sack uh, sack one get a. Uh, um, get a messenger or get a get a metamorph. Copy him, mm-hmm. and then next turn sack the metamorph. Why can't Greater Gargadon be legal? I love everything. <laughs> uh, Just have a have a one mana sack. Well, the next turn, the next turn you die. get to actually sack the metamorph to get a uh, to get a birthing pod, mm-hmm. which can copy a messenger, which can or which can copy a um, copy a. Uh, whatever. No. Well, can, I need a flowchart for you to. Yeah, you can kind of flowchart, but I mean, like, it just gives you like a way to kind of just comp, like you know, it gives you a, a sack outlet for 
um, for birthing pod right. that nugs your opponent that makes up for the uh, life laws you pay for, for getting on the cheap. But so Chapin had a very good uh, article about uh, that included talk about messenger, which was basically if you compare it to kitchen finks, starting off you're comparing it to one of the ten best green creatures ever, mm-hmm. and it compares favorably because instead of gaining life, you make your opponent lose life, which is almost always better. I disagree. Almost, whatever. My point is that. Making your opponent lose life is typically more valuable than making yourself gain life, comparing, let's say, Lightning Bolt to Healing Self. Right. And it becomes a 4-3 when it dies as opposed to becoming a 2-1. Mm-hmm. So, like, it compares pretty favorably to one of the most played creatures yeah. pretty much yeah. ever in its own standard environment. Yeah. He's, he is going to see... He's going to see play. He's yeah. going to... You know, if there's a mono-black deck, which I think there probably is, a mono, whether it be aggressive or just tribal zombies... Yeah, let's let's. You know. He is a zombie, and that's that's definitely relevant, especially when you have um, another card we're going to talk about, Gravecrawler, you know, running around the format. Right. Now, people for years, uh, we talked about this in another cast. Uh, people for years have been wanting mono black control to to enter the format. I think that that is largely going to be a pipe dream as long as Planeswalkers exist. Black, yeah. black has no way to deal with Planeswalkers. Also, Mirror Crusader. Mirror Crusader, sure. Um, well, but you can you can always like Black Sun Zenith Wing Mirror Crusader, sure. But that but, like, will also make you lose your own creatures. But, but you they like mono black control. And you don't care about that. But the issue is that mono black it will unless they print a, a black way to deal with planeswalkers. You like how do you ever be a turn four planeswalker? Right. Like, like I, control. I think that like it, it would have been possible. Like right now we have Karn, right? Um, Mono Black Control needs to have either like a Thran Dynamo, like big artifact card, or honestly, it just needs Cabal Coffers. Right. Well, you also the issue that Black all of a sudden, you know, doesn't always deal direct damage to your opponent, and it's loss of life. And it used to be that loss of life was always better, mm. and it's not anymore. Loss of life is like considerably worse than damage. So even when they get cards that like you know uh, that do things like Soul Feast, where it's like you know a target player loses four and you gain four or something, mm-hmm. or any anything like that, like. Uh, like the messenger, if the messenger, if he did damage instead of loss of life, you know, even if it was just your opponent, oh. he'd be yeah. much better because you'd be like, they'd probably be like, you know, Soren, I'll give my guys a bonus, and they're like, messenger, kill Soren. And, you know, that is one of Black's big issues is from that, you know, until they decide to change that rule, you know, Black is just never going to deal with Planeswalkers, and it's, you know... I, I, you know, you, you just can't play it as a control color. Even white has, um, you know, white. Even white has uh, has oblivion ring. Yeah. So you know, you know, green. I guess mono green control has been good a total of like one time in seventeen years. Yeah. But you know, you know, every other color can deal with it except for black. And and we also talked about this too in that um, there's really not a lot of incentive to play mono colored decks. In this day and age, anyway, um, unless you unless you just have no need to get any other colors, and, and a deck like Mono Black Control just absolutely has to have access to the other colors in this day and age. But what I was getting at before is that that deck that deck is long gone. That deck's a pipe dream. But we we now have this guy certainly is going to be a step in getting us a Mono Black Agro Agro list, um, or very close to Mono Black. Agro and list. he's not, you know. We'll talk about it in a second, but he does not. He is not unfavorable when you're talking about cards like Vapor Snag. Right. right, exactly. Why, why don't we just go ahead and talk about Vapor Snag? Because we're going to be 
reviewing a bunch of other cards anyway, and uh, we can talk about the cards we maybe aren't reviewing because of Vapor Snag. So um, a topic came up on Twitter earlier today. Um, I, I don't remember who originally mentioned it, but they basically said that they read about Vapor Snag, being, or that the new litmus test for whether a creature is good and standard is if it passes the Vapor Snag test, which, you know, everybody reads that and just rolls their eye like eyes because like come on it's it's an unsummon right it, it should be able to get every you know creature you just rolled your eyes and were like it's an unsummon yeah it is an unsummon but the thing is that as as it devolved as we talked about in twitter i think did you say it maybe that uh it's basically the reason why we're talking about vapor snag is because it's splash damage from snapcaster mage right because being able to cast a vapor snag and then snapcaster a vapor snag on something enormous that you would normally be playing, like some sort of seven drop that would normally be, see a lot of play, yeah. you know, it just isn't nearly as good when it's when you're basically time walking yourself right. two turns. Like worm coil engine, mm-hmm. right? You know, if you play against a uh, you know like a blue white humans deck or something, and they're you know they're just like ha worm coil engine, and they're just like yeah snag it attack, and you're like aha, worm coil engine, you know snack ash snag it. You know, you just get so far behind. Mm-hmm. And like you have, you know, you your your creatures that cost so much mana. You know, they have to do something at the end of the battlefield. Otherwise, you know, you're just going to get just rolled by vapor snag plus uh, snapcaster mage. It when when um, you know to to tag on to the back of that conversation when we started going through the spoiler when we were kind of comparing notes before we went to this a card that me and Sam both agreed was a really good card was Vorpede. Um, I like Vorpede a lot too. Yeah, in in my my comment, which actually did, isn't as uh, isn't as relevant, was that Vorpede, you know, is going to get better when Mirrodin Block rotates. And I and the reason I said it was because uh, Dismember and Go for the Throat are gone. And I, I guess my my brain immediately thinks Black Removal when I you know whatever. And then Ruben said, "Well, what about Vapor Snag?" Which obviously is the biggest problem for a right. guy like Vorpede. Which you know you can't take advantage of the Undyne uh, part right. of his ability. In, Where in, I think cards like Vorpede gain something from Poison being in the format. Like if you ever <laughs> play against a blue-black Poison deck and you land Vorpede, that thing's never leaving. <laughs> so that's definitely true. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Vorpede's stock go way up next fall. We have a new set come in. Mirrodin's out. You know. Yeah, those those spells are out. Obviously, we're definitely going to see an unsummon variant, whether it be a reprint in the base set or you know a new set going forward. It's just an effect that they put in every set. Um, but hopefully, it's not a one mana spell that makes your opponent lose life. And, but, right. but, but really, like Vapor Snag being lose a life is like incredibly <laughs> relevant. Sure. Well, it's the only direct damage that Blue has ever had, basically, because. So, like psionic blast is about it, and you know don't uh, don't forget the one the the, 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 the they, one mana thing that they, they, if you the discarded of, it they took yeah. five. psionic energy or something yeah Psychic that, energy. that card was yeah, real right. for a second in 1995 but Dude, like when you got him and you're just like reveal two of those yeah Tenya <laughs> sure I'm sure that was insane when you had your flying men with unstable mutation oh it was awesome but you know <laughs> this living the dream was brought to you by Mono it Blue killed Agra. Lanor else okay. Yeah, that's wow, fair. that's pretty good. Anyway. Tell me you so, wouldn't play that card today, if it was legal. I might, but it's not legal, so Liliana. we're going to move on. We're going to move on to a <laughs> yeah. new... That's pretty good, actually. 
Reprint that card. Um, but my card is another card that's going to be real good with Snapcaster Mage, which is uh, Tragic Slip. Um, that card is There's awesome. been some discussion about Tragic Slip already, but uh, I, I'm going to discuss it some more. Um, so, one what, is of the, what does it do? Tragic Slip is one black mana. Target creature gets an instant. Uh, target creature gets minus one, minus one. Target All right, so the minus one, minus one variant of the uh, of the set. Uh, but it has Morbid. And if a creature died this turn, target creature gets minus 13, <laughs> minus 13 till end of turn. Which, I think that if you if you said to someone, you know, here's a card. Target creature gets minus one, minus one. If a creature died this turn, that creature instead gets minus six, minus six. People would be like, that seems fair. <coughs> it kills Titans. You know, it takes down most everything. I think that's a fair spot for that card to be in. Minus 13, minus 13 is, let me do a quick math, twice that much plus one. So it'll take down literally everything. So it'll take down a Titan with, like, eight swords on it. Like It'll kill everything. It's not a sort of fees payment. I understand that. Just saying. But you, you understand my point. It kills literally everything. It'll take down your, you know, Ludovic's test subject that's about, you know, the giants and, you know, all these guys. Anything carrying a Lash Rife, like, that card's going to be ridiculous. And if you think about it with Snapcaster Mage, uh, kill your 1-1. one one Snapcast it, kill your giant dude yeah. for four mana. Right. So that's pretty good. So lots of people have been talking about Tragic Slip having a banana peel paid on, yes. on it. I want to take mine a step further. I want to get a Tragic Slip with a Phyrexian Dreadnought slipping out of banana peel. Mm, nice. <laughs> um, but I like the design of this card because all of the biggest creatures in Magic are 12-12s. And I like that they made it minus 13, right. minus 13, just for good measure. Yeah. Like, there's, there are no 13 13s. Well, but, but it's because 13 is the number of this. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the, you're, but we're making, we're making a point. Like, they could have made it minus 8, minus 8. It's still going to kill 99.999% right. of everything in yeah, every but now, format. But now it'll kill a Blightsteel Colossus, <laughs> just in case. Right. That's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I, I like that for sure. So, um, it, it's... Does uh, that card see Vintage Play, do you think? Tragic Slip? Yeah. Probably not. No? Um, I would doubt it. I mean, if people aren't running Swords to Plowshares, it's probably not running Tragic Slip. There aren't enough little guys to take advantage of the I just, Morbid. I was just thinking Bob's, Lotus Cobras, Grim Lava Mancers, uh, Insectile Abomination, or the, or, uh... Delver. Uh, Delver. Like, it kills a lot of random dorks, but yeah. I guess you'd probably just rather have, like, Swords to Plowshares. Yeah, I mean, it might it, be. Just get it's it an interesting question. We'll have to ask Smenendian. Well, there was an interesting, there was an interesting discussion, um... Uh, that Vintage is becoming a format that has a lot of creatures yeah. in it. Um, and that makes it more enticing to a lot of people, uh, especially people that like to play you know, formats like Legacy that sure. involve the combat stuff. Um, because the perception of Vintage for, for a very long time is that it was a storm format. You yeah. come in, your opponent goes mox, mox, mox. You know, dark Ritual. Dark yeah. Ritual, you know, Wheel of Fortune, whatever. Right. Um, and no one even plays Dark Ritual anymore. No one does. But but here's that was the thing. one of the major pillars of that format. Creature decks come back. Guess what? Form well, yeah, of course. Back. Sure, ritual decks. So you know it, it's cycl- it's cyclical. But th- I thought that was kind of interesting. So Tragic Slip is my, my the first card on my list. Uh, I I'm gonna go ahead and go on to my next one, uh, which is uh, a reprint, which I believe is the only reprint we have on our list. Could be wrong, but one that I think is definitely going to alter standard which is Evolving Wilds, Ooh, which Standard most, has needed for a while. This is the most important card in the set. 
I agree. Well, like it, yeah, it yeah, probably it is, is. This is the most important card in the set. You're right. Because and and this is I this is why I love them printing this card, right? I love that they reprint a card that's been printed twice before as Evolving Wilds and other times as, you know, Terramorphic Expanse. And you're, you're, you're printing it in the second set, and it's just like, wow, this card is exciting. Yeah. Because we have all these enemy colors people want to play. And, you know, it's like, well, we have these this enemy cycle of duels, but you don't really have enough. Like, we were looking at black-white tokens last week, and we are like, man... You know, maybe you play three colors because it's no harder well. to play. Yeah. It's no harder to play three colors than it's two opposite because yep. you, you just have all these ridiculous. You know, you're playing like uh, four dual lands, twelve planes, and six swamps or something like so that's it's, such an embarrassing mana base. And now you get a, you know now you get to have you know just adding four evolving wilds completely changes that deck. Huge. It lets you splash black without a, without you know having the same issues that we were afraid we were going to have. Mm. You know, oh, it's and you know it, and you know you got to play all these. You know, uh, green blue if you want to play that. There's a, like a green blue graveyard deck you can play. You can play. Uh, I don't know what would be in blue red, but you know it's. Uh, I mean, desperate ravings. Uh, yeah, sure. The, the burning vengeance deck. Right. But the other thing that, like, if you think about, think about if you wanted to play a green white deck. Let's say you wanted to play green white tokens. As of now, your lands, your mana fixing lands, had to be. Uh, Sun Petal Groves and and Razor Verge Thickets, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. And then the rest of your lands were Basics and Gavany Townships, probably. Uh, you might have had a Ghost Quarter, depending on your metagames, things like that. Now you have four Sun Petal Grove, four Razor Verge Thicket, four Evolving Wilds, one off-color Basic, if you want, and then that's 13 ways to get to your mana. So you have basically... T- almost twice as much access to your lands. Oh, yeah. If you're going enemy colors, it's even better mm-hmm. because there aren't any enemy color fast lands. So you've got like four isolated chapels, right? And then some amount of basics. Now you've got four isolated chapels, four evolving wilds, one off color basic. So that's actually twice as much, more than twice as much. So now your mana is so much easier, especially when you're trying to get something on turn four, like let's say Soren Lord of Innistrad, you know, into play, you, you've got basically twice the access that you would have had before. It's a very important card to the future of the meta. And that's not even counting three-color and four-color control decks. It, I mean, not only that, but, you know, it, it, it makes sense in this set. Like, from the, the flavor perspective, like, if you look at the art and just digest, like, what's going on in it, it's just so... It's such a perfect card. Like, I, I, I'm so excited to be playing this card... In standard, um, I think it does the best, obviously, for three color decks. I think that sure. the you know the Grixis and the, even like um, it's funny uh, the other week on um, I believe it was Starcy Live, uh, Chapin and um, Gerard, Gerard were talking about Team Italia, and Gerard just kept saying that he wants to play Team Italia in standard, like he wants to build a red white black, you know, Team Italia esque deck, you know, Thalia and Grim Lawmancer and like. And he couldn't do it because the lands were so awkward. Like, you, you could run, like, all these dual lands, but, like, nothing ever got anything else. And now when you're playing a wedge three-color deck, Evolving Wilds fills that. So I, we all said the same thing, basically, uh, just in different ways. Evolving Wilds, two thumbs up. Yep. I mean, not much else to say. There. You're going to see it all over the place. I mean, yeah. for sure. Uh, Stad, what do right. you got? Uh, the next card I want to talk about is Dungeon Geist. 
which is a card that has gotten a lot of uh, a lot of talk in the last sort of like forty eight hours. Um, it is two blue blue for a three three flyer that when it enters the battlefield, you tap a creature your opponent controls, and it remains tapped until uh, Dungeon Guys leaves. So you know when you read it, I think that you don't it doesn't quite you know come across your mind that, that this is basically a four mana three three face faceless butcher. Flying, flying butcher, right? And that is, I mean, yeah, you 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 do lose some things. Well, that faceless butcher, like faceless butcher, right now would be awesome because you know tokens, nice token. But you'd also have to worry about, well, I can't really faceless butcher your um, primeval titan, or or how about, how about just like snapcaster mage, right? Yeah, okay. you know. But at the same time, this guy also will kill a, uh, any of the phantom guys. Sure, you know he flies, so he's going to block. You know. He, he, he trades with the Delver if he needs to trade with right. them. He's really good at keeping big things tapped. Like, he's real good at... That, that would normally be bad to remove from the game, like the Titans. But he also... He loses a little bit of value to, like, Olivia. But yeah. there aren't a yeah. ton of static ability guys right now, so... Right, or even just active ability guys. You know, you don't have to worry about that as much. And it's not like they can kill him and immediately get him back. They have to wait to untap next turn. Right. You know, so it, it's, uh, and they can't, you know, Wrath of God for value, because one of the, the things that was always annoying about Faces Butcher is sometimes you'd be like, ha, ah, Faces Butcher guy, and then you'd be like, upheaval. Right. <laughs> okay. This is super awkward. Awkward. Yeah. You have a Titan. You know, and, you know, you don't have to worry about things like that anymore. This guy. He's big, too. Yeah, 33 for four is. Yeah, it's funny. Flyer for four. He's, he's a Zephalid with a yeah. really nice ability. Yeah, yeah. Like, so. Yeah, magic's come a long way with their creatures. Because wasn't there a creature in Alpha that was a 3-3 flyer with no abilities in Phantom, blue? Yeah. Phantom Monster. Yeah, yeah then that Phantom... was way too good for years. Right, and that guy was in a championship winning deck. Was he really? Yeah, he was a one-of in a championship winning Which a... deck? It was like the first Pro Tour or something like that. Okay, so the first Pro Tours... I understand that... The deck was so embarrassing. Look, I understand. It's just like, I want all man of the sea, I'll put a library in there, like two card apes. That doesn't mean that they didn't win a championship. Look, you could have been fat and smoking and been on the Green Bay Packers' first Super Bowl winning <laughs> team, but you were still on a Super Bowl winning team. That's I understand. True. That's true. My point is that we've gone a long way. Yes, we have. In terms of creatures. Right. Because at the beginning, we still had super powerful spells. And all the creatures just And sucked. all the creatures were awful. And now we're, we've definitely come a long way. So, All right, I got next card. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Curse of Exhaustion. Um, okay, so in case you haven't seen the spoiler, you uh, should probably assume that you have at this point. This card is white, white, two for a curse enchant target player. Um, that player can only play one spell turn. So for four mana, you get to cast a personal arcane laboratory on your opponent. Uh, this card is really cool for a number of reasons. Um, it's, it is, uh, it's, I don't think it's going to be meant necessarily to be a storm hoser or a way to stop combo decks in the older formats mostly because they have access to much better versions of this card uh ether sworn canonist and arcane sanctum or not arcane, arcane sanctum. laboratory and rule of law yeah right there are just are just better options in general i think than this card um where I, I like this card a lot is in standard when you're playing a deck that you're playing a deck that like two for ones or or draws a lot of cards. I like playing this card on turn four because it stops your opponent from being able to clog the board unless they're playing tokens or something. It stops your opponent from being able to play Snapcaster Mage. Yeah, um, it's a gre- it's it's whites 
hoser for Snapcaster that they've re- that there is. Basically. And he does a really good job. Like I imagine if you played this card in the mirror match, like if you're playing like blue white humans or something, it's horrible. That's a matter of opinion in a total vacuum with no data. <laughs> but thanks. Um, that if you were to play this card against a deck that's trying to cast counter spells sure. and trying to play tempo spells, that if you just if you're on the play and you play this on turn four and your opponent doesn't have any 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 way to stop it or any way to counter it. The rest of the game, they're playing a very honest, awful game of Magic. What right. are they? What are going to play? Delver, like yeah, kill it, right? You know, Snapcaster, kill it, like, I, or or maybe maybe it's better in a black white shell. Maybe it's better in a white blue shell that's more on the control side. But the point being that it is very good against that archetype. So I, I don't see it being very good in standard because uh, you know any any kind of like blue white mirror, it is still a do nothing card. So your turn four, like, would you rather cast a Hero Blade hold or that? It depends on, depends what I'm on the deck. Yeah. I I think that I guess some people they're going to have a dismember or something. That, you know, Hero Blade Hold's still just a dude against certain decks. I I'd much rather have but a rule. The whole, the whole I, thing is I, that the reason I agree with Ruben. Like if, when I play Blade, I would have much rather had this card than Hero Blade Hold. In Cobblade? No, um, the Blade with just the Infect Lands as the only creatures and Snapcaster Mages. All right, fair enough. But my, my thing with the card is that I think that it it is better than rule of law in certain decks because it once you get this out, you know, you can protect it. The whole problem with uh with a card like rule of law is that, you know, you you're under the same rule of law. Right. And so you're just like you know, it, it I've seen a lot of people get locked out of basically out of the game with rule of law where they've you know, they get they, they resolve a rule of law, but then they can't do anything because they they're like, Okay, well, Cast spell, and I'm just like, all right, bounce rule of law. You can't counter it. What this lets you do is, if you get this out and you can protect it, you know, you have a counter spell. You know, your opponent, you can actually have, play a proactive game. Your opponent can't do anything. I, I wanted to mention this one as well, um, mostly because of its card type. Now, I'm under the impression that there will be no additional curses come the next set. So we kind of have, we're kind of locked into what curses we have available. But it's worth mentioning that there are two curse tutors. Uh, available now, right? Isn't that right? Yes. There is a Curse Academy Rector. There's right. Bitterheart Witch is the Curse Academy Rector that has Death Touch. And then what's the other? Uh, it's a white a new curse. It's a, it, there's a new curse that on at the beginning of your upkeep, I believe, you go get a new curse. It's, yeah, it's like an enduring ideal for a curse. Right. Um, that co- I think it costs five mana. Uh, stud, I think can it you help me? Can you it's cold? Uh, not really. No, Sorry, it's we're white. We're kind of going here. Yeah, I think it is. I don't think it's white. I think it's, I think it's, it's a black. white card. In it's... any case, so there there is a card. Yeah, you're right. It might be black. Um, there are definitely curses that I want to be playing in standard. Absolutely, Curse of uh, Death's Hold is going to see a ton of main deck play and just everywhere in sideboards. Now um, that that card's kind of a contentious card because um, a lot of uh, at, like. Um, uh, Ari Lax is saying that's not the answer to tokens decks, and a lot of people agree with him that like Curse of Death hold him. But I, I actually am, I, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum, especially if you're able to get you know cards like Ray of Revelation or whatever, like you know be able to just kill um, opposing Anthem effects. Then Curse of Death hold does exactly what you want it to do. Right. The and problem is that your Curse of Death hold costs five, and they're on the pure costs two. Right. But the other thing is that you have lots of other. Black Sun Zenith kind of effects to be able to right. wipe the board and be able to deal with everything. The thing that I like about it 
is that it deals with undying creatures very well. Because otherwise, if you have a Black Sun Zenith and you're facing down, like, a turn one young wolf and a turn two another strangle root geist, and you have a Black Sun Zenith in your hand, you're like, hmm, well, this would normally be a good play, but I'm actually just going to take more damage next turn. You should probably talk about the interaction. Um, You know, tournament players, if you have a Black Sun Zenith played against you and you have a plus one plus one counter on your geist, and it's enough to kill it, it will actually stay dead. Yes. The counters do not cancel each other out, so just don't uh, don't let yourself get blown out by that. But um, and anyway, I don't want to get too much in on the curse because we got a lot of other stuff to talk about. Um, but I expect at some point, whether it's a silly block deck or you know some way the format slows down enough that we can be putting a bunch of curses in play, like an opalescence or something. I don't right. know. Uh, that that we, we will see a bunch of curses on the battlefield. So. I'm excited to be able to take my Tron deck and have a gifts pile of that, that new curse, Rule of Law, Either Sworn Canonist, and Open Vaults. It'd be very exciting <laughs> for me. But we'll That's move awesome. on to... Uh, so there's a cycle of new lords. Uh, except for the, there's no green-white. I imagine the colorless green-white human lord will be in the, the last set. Um, Reasonable. But of the four, there are four new lords. And I think that they're all pretty good. Um, but to me, the best one for standard is Diagraph Captain. Diagraph Captain is the colorless blue black zombie lord. Mm. Whenever a zombie is put into a graveyard from play, target opponent loses one life. I believe is the wording, mm-hmm. um, which is exactly what a tribal deck needs, which is a way to yeah. punish your opponent for playing wrath effects. Mm. Yeah, the uh, the zombie tribal is looking better and better. Yes, I'm very excited about the zombie yeah. tribal deck because it's it's getting a little crowded at three. Drop. Yeah, we don't have any good two drops. There's a couple two drops. There's um, Highborn Ghoul is the two one intimidate guy. Um, vanilla two one, no. but he but he has intimidate, mm-hmm. um, and that's a little awkward. And you can also still run distress in that two drop. But you also have four or eight two power uh, one drops. That's yeah. definitely true, and, that, and they'll huge. fulfill the role of the two right. drop. Exactly, nicely. and right. so you've also so then your three drop slot is is Diagraph Captain. Uh, you've also got uh, Geralt's Messenger, Geralt's Met, whatever, Basement Finks, and you've also got uh, Cemetery Reaper, right? Still is still legal. That's I don't know. I believe I it is. Clue. I'm not sure. Whatever. Anyway, the point is that the three drop slot is a little is a little hectic, whereas mm-hmm. the two drop slot's a little bare at the moment. But Diagraph Captain gives you exactly the three drop spots bare. Good one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Bam. Jeez. Uh, um, I can't even to? focus anymore. Now that that's happening. <laughs> um, but yes, so I think that that's, that card's going to have a big impact. Now, you mentioned a card that's on my list, which is Gravecrawler. A Gravecrawler is super exciting because, obviously, we're, we're in a block of zombies, so right. this guy's really good. In case you don't know who he is, black, 2-1, um, cannot block. You can play him from your graveyard if you have a zombie in play. Like, pretty awesome. Uh, especially... Because uh, in, in eternal formats that have bridge from below tokens out, this guy might be uh, you know one or two of that you'd be able to cheat into pit play pretty easily and flash back your other therapies right. if you needed to. It's like blood gas, you know, five through six or whatever. Right. Um, but in standard, certainly, I I think that there there's enough cards that we could have a vampire esque um, deck like we saw back in Zendikar type two mm-hmm. or Zendikar standard rather that had a bunch of vampires, a lord. 
in ways to get the vampires back in your hand and some disruption. I Absolutely, think that, yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good deck. And you also get to run one of the best aggressive three drops that we've seen in a while, Garal's Messenger, mm-hmm. which is basically, if you consider it in that deck, it's it has haste and is a two two when it has haste. And it's not, not just that, we also have like insane equipment this time around. Yes. Like, back then when vampires was popular, we had no equipment. I don't even know that they would have would have run equipment to to great value. But when you have guys that come back into play. Um, on their own, then equipment becomes much better because you can just have a blank piece of equipment on the board and be able to get more value out of it. And I mean, I think that you you also just get, you know, like a, a sort of warm piece is the current, like, you know, equipment du jour. Because yeah. you get to get around more than haunt tokens and all that jazz. Right. And, you know, you, you basically are always have a way, like, you always have a way to just, you know, swing in with, uh, you know, your random zombie that, you know, is going to nug your opponent for like seven damage. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's real. And then, you know, if they, they, it's, you know, you have a couple creatures that are a little harder to vapor snag. Um, the, the, one of the, the, the things that's going to be, you know, annoying about the deck is I think that tokens have some pretty good cards against you. Like, you got no good way to sort of, like, get around all the token, the tokens. And they just got to clog the board up so heavily. Yeah. So I'm not sure yet that, that you know, that's like a, like, I've, I've been thinking, like, well, what's the zombie versus token deck going to look like? Like, how's that matchup going to go? And I'm, like, I'm just not sure yet. Because while you do have, like, this inevitability of being able to, like, you know, constantly play your guys and stuff, I mean, they get a block for a whole lot. Right. They have Lingering Souls. and They have Lingering Souls. They have... Uh, Moreland Haunt. They have a lot of ways to... Yeah, they've got, like, Doom Travelers and things. It's going to be interesting. Right. The other thing about the zombie deck, when I was, think- I was thinking about it, when it's sort of bare, it's a two-drop slot, that's sort of where you got your elimination. Like, you've got Doomblade, you've got Go for the Throat, like, you've got a lot of good options of elimination at the two-drop slot. And then, the other thing that you can do in the zombie deck is that you can sort of go over the top with Phyrexian Obliterator, (laughs) because no one's running Dismember anymore. That's true, So it's very difficult to deal with a a Phyrexian Obliterator. You can still get snagged, but... You can still, well, sure, he doesn't pass the Vapor Snag Test, and if you'd prefer, you can run Mode of the Unhollowed. Like, that card's still fine. That card's Grizzly Fate, or, what are you doing? Cranny left for a second, and now he's eating Jello or soup or something. I don't know what happened. <clears throat> I was parched. He was parched, so he parched. got something with a spoon. <laughs> what do you got on your list, dummy? Uh, well, no, I'm actually glad that you mentioned Obliterator because um, something I've been thinking about that might have a little more value in the coming months um, is Apostle's Blessing. How about just Lash Rife? Well, that too. Well, yeah, Lash Rife's awesome. I think you play Lash Rife well, over, well before you play Obliterator, personally. You think but, so? Sure. As the four drop? Yeah. Right. Whatever. I, I don't think that that really matters, but... Oh, we, we have a visitor. We have a guest More interruptions. Happening right now, ladies and gentlemen. You can hey, follow him on hey, Twitter. Hey, you know what's really nice? <laughs> what? Is that you got... Um, you were like, hey, we're podcasting, so we're going to get some food, right? And you got a uh, ceramic bowl and a metal uh, spoon. Right, to make as much noise as possible. That was very thoughtful. It's ambience. Ladies and gentlemen, you can follow this man on Twitter at at all sons dawn. <laughs> Legacy superstar and binder grinder, Mark Sun. No, he's, he's bigger than he's bigger than binder grinder. <laughs> he's bigger. He's what, what do you know? Like a uh, booth grinder. Booth grinder. Yeah, that, that's probably good. Booth, booth helper. Yeah. Booth all right. Assistant. So we're in the middle of a discussion about Innistrad. Uh, we have our list of of cards that we think are going to have an impact on the formats. Off the top of your head, give us a card that you think will have a big impact on any format. Innistrad or Dark Ascension? Or, sorry, Dark Ascension. Dark Ascension? Faithless Looting. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so we have not talked about Faithless Looting yet. I think this was on Cranny's list. Um, Faithless Looting, I'm sure you know, was the first card spoiled. 
it was a magazine promo? Yeah, magazine, or comic book or something. Comic book, something. something. Um, and that card is bonkers. Bonkers, In indeed. a lot of formats. Yeah. Um, I'm most excited for the Burning Vengeance uh, <laughs> with Secrets of the Dead. Yeah, you would be. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for a combo deck. And I'm excited to just play Graft Daggers Cage against you and just... All right, fine. Just extend my hand as you can't destroy my. Yeah, that, that was maybe my second card. Was Graft Diggers Cage? Graf Diggers we Cage. talked about that last week, so we didn't really go too far into it. But yeah, Faithless Looting is going to be interesting in in pretty much every format. Yeah, I mean, what needs to be said about a card that Careful Studies had applications in every format, including when it was in Standard, to a huge degree because uh, it fueled the the Madness and Threshold decks. Um, we don't have, quite have mechanics that are that good with the ability at the moment. I think it's better to just be a filter card. Um, you know, sure, pitching your your random uh, ancient grudges and what have you into the graveyard is pretty good uh, value, but I think it's it's not going to see its full potential until, until we see the next, uh, the next set in the base set uh, when we have the full amount of cards in, and that card's really going to shine. But it doesn't really interact a lot with Mirror to Block. Right. Um, right. I think it's going to be most exciting, and if we're talking about standard, it's going to be most exciting with Chandra's Phoenix. Um, to be able to discard Chandra's Phoenixes <laughs> to Faithless Looting, get value out of it by burning your opponent, which you were going to do anyway. <laughs> so it's basically like a draw spell in red. So I think it's a, it's a clever thing that they that Wizards did, which was like, we'll take this old card that was in the best color, mm. put it in the worst possible color for it, and give it flash. That's not true. Could you mention white? Be insane in white. Oh, it'd be horrible. I think it's good in all colors because the ability is good. But but the thing about this card is, uh, actually, me and Mark's son were were trying to contemplate how we could get a dredge deck to work in modern without <laughs> a windfall. In this, in this <laughs> right, there is yeah. a new windfall. Um, so here was my my concoction. Um, so I had Faithless Looting and Greater Gargadon as my one drops, and the, here was here was the combo that you would you would Faithless Looting. Um, you also played um, I had some other one-mana discard. It's like Greenseeker or like Lanoir or Augur or whatever. Um, and then you played Bloodgast, Bridge from Below, and Narc Amoebas, and, so the, and then all the dredge cards. And so you would dredge cards, and the whole idea was to get black creatures out so you could play a Demon of Deathscape or a Greater Gargadon, <laughs> and then just attack It's like opponent. a reverse dread return. Wow. <laughs> So, like, it actually, if you had, if you suspended the greater, if you had greater Gargadon and Faithless Looting, by turn three, you would have, like, seven tokens out in a greater Gargadon. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. But, but, like, if you didn't have either of those, it would just, <laughs> sure. it did nothing. Yeah, this deck seems real loose. We got no, but it was, we but it was, powder this one yeah. Oh, well. So, it, it was fun to, to test that, but, like, I, mean, I, I just think that it's very relevant that uh, Reanimator and Legacy now just play Volcanic Island. Yeah, you, that's definitely going to... Yeah, Reanimator gets a lot better from that card, but then again, it has to deal with Graft Digger's Cage. But yeah, we're not going to go too far into... You should, you should play Show and Tell. Oh, that's true. And now you have more ways to dig for your Show and Tell. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. You know, like, you, yeah, the, the deck just gets, you know, like... Careful Study was already, like, the second best card in the deck. I would and now you get to play, play it a lot more. I would want to play it in, like, uh, Agrolom, as, like, a two or three of. Um, because you're constantly... In Agrolom... You're constantly dredging cards in the graveyard, and the thing about that is it's always correct to dredge your life from alone. Unless your opponent has, like, you know, a leyline or some craziness out. Um, and what, what became really awkward is that you would play this long game where you'd play 20 turns of magic and you, until you try to get your Volrath stronghold. 
so that you can get your eternal witness and start getting your cards back. But imagine if you if you dredge a few of those into the yard and you're like, you know, you're playing explorations and stuff like that, that you can flash that back, pitch the, the nastiness that you have in your hand and actually draw real cards as opposed to having to dredge the life and loam. Hmm. So I think that's interesting and might even open up opportunities for life and loam, seismic assault decks in modern. Um, yeah. You know, because Grafter's Day's cage does not stop Life and alone. Yeah. Um, so you can really do a lot of damage with that in the early game. And the only the only uh, problem with that deck is we have no cycle lands and no exploration uh, and no mox diamond. So those are... So the only problem is... No, no, no. Well, think of the old <laughs> version of the deck. It played Bird of Par- Birds of Paradise, um, you know, the cycle lands, Seismic Salt, and occasionally by right. But I think now sure. we'll play like Maelstrom Pulse. Um, it, would, it would run like a little bit slower. Why aren't we just playing Swans at this point? Swans is perfectly sure, viable. I don't see any reason why people aren't running it. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it in an MTGO daily. But you know what? We, we're, we'll talk about Modern a little bit later because there are new decks popping up. Um, and we want to definitely be wary of the time. So we're going we're gonna to turbo crunch. Even though we only pick 15 cards out, we still <laughs> are f- rushing to get the last ones done. So I'm going to do my last, um, since Mark chose my second last one. <laughs> just, I have like three left. He's just, you just... Yeah, if we didn't spend 10 minutes talking about In the Woods, or Lost, Lost in, in the, the Woods. woods. Five minutes in Lost in the Woods. Still. Okay, so my last card is just a quick one. Vault of the Archangel. It's the land that gives all, the, all your creatures death, touch, and lifelink. This card is going to be a card that's going to help you win mirror matches, and it's going to be able to help you win against Master Worms. When your opponent's got big-ass you know, uh, creatures on the, end of the uh, other end of the table, and you have a couple tokens, you all of a sudden have giant walls that they can't do anything about, or giant guys that they can't block uh, lest they lose their, their guys. So... That presents a very real problem with your opponent's combat step. You guys have anything to add about it? I mean, it's it's, it's an awesome land. I, I, I think that it's the land that trumps the other lands if you're playing the token matchup. Like, if your opponent has a Gavany Township and you have the Vault, you have you trumped him. Like, there's... Yeah, I, I mean, think, yeah. Because I think that, uh, you know, if they have Moreland Haunt and you have Vault of the Archangel, I still think you trump them. Um... Like it's it's, it's well yeah you you totally land. trump Moreland Haunt. Uh, it's it's you're you're a little more even with, uh, with Gallery Township. Township. Yeah. It just at that point you're both kind of racing to see who can get more tokens out. Though the gaining life is obviously super relevant. Like you don't end the game as fast, but you know like you know your opponent just doesn't get like they they can't make their guys bigger and and uh, win the race that way. You gotta read this card too and really digest like what it says. Your guys get lifelink. And Death Touch. Yeah. So if you have, a, let's say, just a, a small board of Gravecrawler and Dwarf's Messenger, which this card obviously very difficult to play in a deck trying to sure. get black, black, black. But if but we've you, got if four you could, chapels and four evolving wilds, one blank. Maybe maybe, sure, all, maybe all we're splashing the white for is just to activate this land. Right. You know who knows? You just gain six life on your attack step. Yeah. That is humongous, especially if you're if you're trying to race. Like how. How can a you know red green you know werewolves deck deal with this card ever? Like, what does it do? It can't it can't burn yeah. all your guys. You could just sit there all day, amass a gigantic army, and just play your messengers all day long and just kill your opponent. But I, I just think the fact that it gives them all lifelink for only four mana, well, really five mana, is pretty. It's insane. still pretty insane. Yeah. So anyway, um, stop. What do you have anything else relevant yeah. to talk about? I have list? three cards on my list. Are but... they any good? 
Uh, they're better than any card you named. I <laughs> know. Uh, well, I'm, I'm just trying to put two together and talk about them for literally three seconds, which is uh, Soren, well, we Lord talked about Innistrad, and uh, Lingering Soul, which are my 50 cards that are just... They make black-white tokens work. They're awesome. The black-white token deck is so resilient to, um, to, to Wrath Effects because, you know, you, don't, you just don't recast the Lingering Souls until... Uh, until you've, you know, you get Wrath, and you're like, you know, you can end a turn Midnight Haunting, you can then cast Lingering Souls, and like, oh. You know, you've just rebuilt your entire board. Obviously, Soren is the 12th, um, the 12th Anthem Effect deck, plus oh, sure. the Token Maker, so you have, like, infinite Token Makers, infinite Anthem Effects, it's great. Uh, but the last... It also gives you inevitability against the mid-range decks, because right. you can just keep ticking it up. And it'll take them. Take yeah, that's the first thing I thought of when I saw Soren. Was like, how does how does a mid range deck ever win against Soren? Because if you ultimate Soren against a mid range deck, they <laughs> they should just be going home. The other point, super like. relevant thing about Lingering Souls is that its flashback cost is two. So two things about that. One is if it's somehow in the graveyard on turn two, you can immediately flash it back and get two tokens on turn two, followed by your Midnight Haunting on turn three, which is a huge advantage. And the second thing is if you actually are a human being and cast it on turn three, on turn four you can flash it back. And cast an anthem effect. So that's right, that's that's the, the really relevant thing is you got to go turn two. Uh, you know, turn one you can play Doom Traveler. Doom Traveler. Turn two you can play Honor the Pure. Turn three you can cast Lingering Souls, and then you can next turn flashback Lingering Souls and play Intangible Virtue. Right, which is huge. Right, and again we said it last week. Do not skirt on your anthem effects. Just play all twelve. Play all of them. Because then every spell in your deck makes three threes. Yeah, I, I just don't see any reason not to. I mean, I guess I could see going to, like, 12 if you really needed to, but Intangible Virtue, in case you haven't played against it, it's a you beating. need a strad limited. Sometimes you're, sometimes you're thinking, <laughs> man, can I attack here? Can I afford to take this damage? No, you can always attack here, because you're always attacking and blocking at the same time. Yeah. What was the last card, Todd? Uh, Huntmaster of the Fells. Or Jägermeister. Or, the, or Huntmaster of the Confusing Card. Right. So <laughs> it, it is possibly the most confusing card they've printed in several years. Right. So when it comes in, you gain two and get a 2-2. Two, two. Right. When it, when it, and it enters the battlefield or it flips over to this side. To that side. Right. right. And then when it transforms... <laughs> it becomes a 4-4 four, four and, deal, and deals two to a creature somewhere else. Right. Right. Uh, so yeah, it... Uh, He's confusing. He, he does, like, all kinds of stuff. But, I mean, it's a, it's a four mana 2-2 two, two that gains you two life and brings a second guy. Right, so it's four mana for four power right. still. And, it, and it's, it's a little bit like an option. And if they, don't cast, if they don't cast a spell, then you get to nug them and you get a 4-4. Four, four, and if, blocker, if yeah. they cast two spells, you get another, you get another guy. Like, you know, it's, it's a very complicated card, obviously. Yeah. But, again, it's another card that if they vapor snag it, like, it's not too bad because you're like, okay, I'm still, I still have a 2-2. Two, two. Right. You know, I guess maybe uh, Phantasmal Imaging it is probably not going to be fun for you. Sure. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, they can't transform it. Right, right. So, you know, only yeah, that guy's, that, that guy's very good in the in the, the red-green Moonmist kind of decks that might pop up because you get to play a Moonmist, play another spell, so you get to flip it and then immediately flip it back. So you get all the value out of it in one turn. The other important thing to know about this card is that German copies... Are called Jägermeisters. Quiet, you have to pick up the foils first. Yeah, right. So <laughs> before we'll we'll upload this video after Mark's son or this this podcast after Mark's son has bought them all off the internet. Um, <laughs> but now that there are none left, 
Keep in mind, the German versions of this card are called Jägermeister. And so they do say something that, similar to French Delays. Right. It, it is actually relevant because when French when Delay came out, uh, the French version was called Retard. Yes. And retard. it was like Retard. retard yeah. And it was like $15. Yes. <laughs> for an uncommon. Right. And then Uber Mirrors, I don't know how much the, the full art Mirror oh, Superions, because the, they were given away as full art foils uh, on, at, at game days. I don't know how much the German versions of those are, but it's got to be something oppressive. I don't think they do the full arts and in other languages. And I'm, well, I'm pretty sure nobody actually cared about Ubermere, unfortunately. Nah, that's too bad. Because but but, nobody actually played that card. It's only things that are like you know juvenile and, and ridiculous that people care about. The Fine. I mean, the word Uber is awful. It's Uber awful. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm glad we stopped. Here. All right. I got, I got one last card, quickly. Uh, Torch Fiend. Um, good. Hearth Kami saw play when it was around, and this is better than Hearth Kami, because uh, it costs one, co- one colored mana. This also raises a question in my mind about what they can possibly do in the future to cards that have had X as an activation cost in mm-hmm. the past. So I'm looking forward to the pernicious deed that activates for green-black, that destroys everything. That's a little too good. That's a little too good, you think? That's pretty good. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, well, how about, a, how about like a Gorilla Shaman that's like three colorless to search our artifact, or something like that. You know, there, there's, there's. Uh, I get where you're going. This is going to be, this is going to be a Shino Heretic. I, yeah, I yeah. can see that. There's room Sitting. for things that have X as an activation cost now moving to colored mana mm-hmm. instead. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just something that it's, it's more design space that they've opened up. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Any, yeah, super awesome. Uh, let's, uh, let's go right on, Rubes. Why don't you take it away with the, um, the. The FFA. FFA. All right, so last weekend, I and with some of my friends went to the Food for Africa 1K, run by uh, one Taylor Gunn, uh, at Nirian Gunn, N-I-R-I-E-N-G-U-N-N, on Twitter. Uh, he ran a, a charity tournament, along with the legit MTG guys. Um, and uh, and t- Taylor, of course, from MTG Bridge fame. Uh, and he, and uh, unfortunately, not as many people showed up as we thought might only about 40 showed up because of the ice. The, yeah, the ice storm happened, and that really... Famous quote from me before we left. There's not going to be an ice storm. Yeah, there's not going to be an ice storm. I told my son that there was going to be an ice storm. Mark son's like, is this your ice storm? And it's only, like, slightly I mean, raining. the drive-down was fine. <laughs> the drive-down was fine, but then by the time we get to the fit, to the site at, like, 10 p.m. just to look around, uh, you know, the, the parking lot is a, is a skating rink. So, anyway, I, uh, I wrote a, a brief summary of my, of my uh, time uh, at that tournament. I played uh, Chapin Grixis. Um, and I made top eight, and on my way to top eight, I bashed Mark Sun um, by top decking <laughs> an absurd amount of wrath effects that I probably shouldn't have. But uh, I still will lord that over him for the rest <laughs> uh, of my life. So like, who won? That, top, that top eight was stacked. The top eight was stacked. I played uh, Justin Calhoun, J. Cal of MTG Bridge fame. He made top four. Uh, the other top four, uh, first one of the other top four people he split with was Adam Prozac who, I don't know if you know this, never loses a game of Magic. <laughs> I mean, I've never actually seen him lose. Apparently he O2'd the FNM the night before with the same 75. Came to this tournament. I've never seen him lose a game. I don't, I don't know how it's possible. Because <laughs> I left the SCG open before he <laughs> lost to Burton Sheen. But, uh, and then another person who was in top eight was uh, Mark Larson, who's uh, at Marklar Marklar here on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, so that was a, it was, there was a lot of people in that top eight. So, yeah, that, I had a fun time. That was a great tournament. Um, I'm, I, they had great prize support. Uh, the fact that it, that it was uh, prohibitive weather was unfortunate, but I hope that they run one again. Yeah. 
Good cause, too. Good cause. More, yeah, more people ought to do that. I think that's a uh, step in the right direction. You know, I'll be honest, we haven't heard a lot of stuff about gamers helping gamers in the last... Yeah, season. I would like to hear more about that. I don't know what's yeah, what's it's a really deal. cool uh, charity. Yeah, yeah so... Finkel started up, it got it got real big, and then we just haven't like seen anything. Maybe maybe I, maybe I have a Twitter or something I'm not following. Yeah, or, if or if any of the gamers helping gamers guys are listening, let us know what's up with that because we'd uh, we'd like or to... anybody that knows about it or so. anybody that knows about it. Sure. Uh, so is that you guys want to add anything else about that the charity event? No, I'm good. So we're, we'll dig into our, the last subject of uh, our show today, which is modern again. Um, you know. We've uh, really been digging into this format a lot, uh, mostly because it's the PTQ format, but also because it's a brand new format. We're seeing some crazy decks in the uh, in the, the latest top eights, and um, and I want to talk about a few of them. There's two. Did you see the decks that won the Magic Online PTQs? That's what I. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. Okay. So I um, I have the first place list from the PTQ that was run on January 23rd. And um, this is one of the more interesting lists that um, that we've seen so far. It is a Scepter control list yeah. um, that has uh, Vanillion Clicks and uh, Delvers. Yeah. Yeah, and so it runs like all these, these random, you know, Ice Ground Scepter targets. It does not run like Silence or anything like that, but it boards into Gifts Reanimator. <laughs> wow. So, like, I imagine that that opponents are boarding in things like, you know, Spot Removal, Disenchant, and Disenchant Scepter, you know, uh, like Angel Grudges or right. whatever, and they're just like, fine, out for Delver Secrets, out for Ice Ground Scepter, board in the entire Gifts package. So, <laughs> so they board in three Gifts, one Elishnorn, um, Sphinx of the Steel Wind, one Unburial Rites, and that's like your, those are your gift targets. Sure. So that deck is really cool. That actually was the winning deck, so uh, mm-hmm. they're, the, they're going to go to Barcelona. Another interesting thing to point out about that deck is the card Research Development, uh, which I remember playing against this deck in, I guess it would be Extended, um, and the guy had Research Development on an Icecron Scepter, and you can copy the Development half, even though it's five mana, because the Research half... Yeah. Is so you just two. get a bunch of three so ones. So you get a bunch of three ones where they draw a bunch of cards. Yeah. Um, and so that's a pretty powerful card. This deck only ran one of, uh, which is probably correct because it's, you don't really want to see multiples of that card. But uh, this is definitely an interesting list to be to be perfectly. Yeah, honest. this deck is real real nifty. Yeah. Now it, you know if you have an opportunity, you can go to uh, just type "What's Happening" MTGO in Google, and it's the first result that pops up. And then you scroll down a little bit on the right-hand side. There is a list of all of the uh, events that fired on Magic Online, along with deck lists. So any daily event that fires, you can look at all the four zero and three one deck lists, um, and then any PTQ that that happens, you can see as well. Um, this PTQ in particular, I was kind of going through, crunching the numbers, taking a look to see, you know, what does the meta game look like? What are people playing? I mean, there's some awesome decks. I'll just kind of just briefly, you know, say, say what we have here. There's a, a sec, second place is a Boros deck. Third place is a Hive Mind deck with Ethereal Usher to, to transfer for yeah. Hive Mind, which is pretty cool. Uh, uh, Brandon Large got fourth place. Um, he was playing a um, Mystical Teachings control deck, uh, which is pretty cool. The fifth place deck is a. Bant deck with, you know, Elspeth, Thanks, Snapcaster, Els, uh, uh, Cryptic Command. 
Callblade uh, too, because has, I think it has Hawks in it, right? Yeah, ho- yeah, you're right. It has four squadron Hawks. Like, yeah, um, there's this ugly head. Yeah, right. Format. <laughs> now, the sixth place list is one that, yeah, Mark's son gets excited about because he wants to foil this deck out. Um, <laughs> it's the cheapest deck to foil. Well, you know, we've seen this deck quite a bit. When when it, when it Modern was first kind of getting big on Moto, I played against this deck a lot, but I never lost to it. But I think now they're, it's much more streamlined. Um, it's the uh, Living End deck. Right. So they're, they're playing... Um, well, this is basically the same list that, that's been around forever, but because Zoo's not in the format, um, things have, have changed a lot. People aren't running, you know, Wrath and, and Fire Spout and those sorts of things. And so you can actually, you get these guys out, there's just a lot of decks that can't react to it. The way this guy lost out of the PTQ was the most embarrassing thing. So he suspended a a, 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 a living end, and then, like, the next turn, I think he cascaded into it. it. And uh, he's playing his affinity, right? Right. Okay. So his opponent ends up at two life, and the second one unsuspended. And yeah, so then he just like sacked his whole board, and his opponent just got all his guys back. Opponent's playing affinity, of course. So he's just like you know, rafters everything. Like, wow. Oh my god. Yeah, it was not. uh, It's not pretty. It was. uh, It was humorous. I was. I was interested to see this list because there's there's removal. In this, in this deck, a lot of the decks that I've seen have are just the all-in. Oh, I hope I draw my my living end, or I, I, I hope I draw my cascade outlet and go off. So it, this deck has beast with ends, it has junk charms, it has its members, mm-hmm. and you know conveniently they don't cascade out of your cascade effect. Right, right. and right. beast within gives them a creature, but who cares because it dies. Yeah, because it dies anyway. Junk charm has the bonus effect of being able to remove your opponent's graveyard from the game. Well, beast within also, if you're playing as control deck and they don't have creatures, you kill one of their permanents and then you cast demonic red targeting it. Does, it, uh-huh. so if you don't does that list play, play um, the ch- the champions of Kamigawa Land, Forbidden Orchard? No, it does no. not. Wow. Yeah, no. Forbidden Orchard got real. Was uh, a had like a huge price jump on Moto for a little while because uh, because of that because you could just you know like yeah you, you play four Forbidden Orchards in the deck so you can demonic dread uh, more reliably on turn that three. That is awesome. Um, so the seventh place deck is the one that's probably ha- has the most discussion out of this PTQ. Oh, and this so is like, to see this. this is one of the coolest design decks. Um, and again, please go look at the wizard website at these decks. They're, they're really cool. All of them are. But this is from Wirecat and, um, he is playing a Hakan Stronghold Scourge Death Cloud Burning <laughs> Vengeance dot deck. It is the craziest looking deck, um, that you could possibly see. Uh, let me just let me just rifle off a few cards from this deck. Uh, Hakan and Tarmogoyf are the, are the creature base, and then the other spells are Burning Vengeance, Death Cloud, Garuk, Inquisition, Life of Malone, Liliana of the Veil, Nameless Inversion, Raven's Crime, and Smallpox. So your plan is to get a Burning Vengeance out. Well, here's here's a one of your plans, right? So it's it's like four decks, one box, basically. Uh, is to get a Burning Vengeance out and then just Raven's Crime your opponent a bunch. Right. Or if you have a Hakan in the yard, you could Nameless Inversion your opponent's guys. Um, or you can just cast a Death Cloud when you have a Planeswalker or a Hakan in the graveyard and start putting stuff into play. Um, you, have to, you have to have the Hakan in play to actually uh, Nameless Inversion, yeah. right? I think you have to have a... Is it in play? Or no, it's right? in play. It's, he's... he's uh, yeah, no, yes. he's in play, but you right. can play him from... You graveyard. Graveyard. So yeah, you, and if you, you have Burning like, Vengeance, yeah. then it deals him two damage. Right, right, but you have to... Like, the, the, the one vulnerability of the deck is the fact that Path to Exile exists. Sure. Yeah. So if you don't have him, there's still the alternate game plan of just playing a Tarmogoyf after you yeah. filled up your graveyard. 
or de- you know dealing with them with a Garouk or a Liliana. Like there's still yeah. alternate game plans. Like the deck is interesting because when when I initially saw Burning Vengeance and Retrace, it was like, man, this is a, this is a real thing. We could do this. And then I actually asked Riley Curran to to brew up a deck and see if you know if we could have a starting point. He was losing to Extraction a lot because he was just on the Life of Malone Burning Vengeance Retrace play. Now this deck you know circumvents all of that. So if you bring in your Extractions, they start death clouding you. If you don't bring in Graveyard Hate, you get Burning Vengeance out. So <coughs> yeah, a good reason why it survived as long in the PTQ. I think. I'm very excited about this PTQ and the 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 results online in general because. No, there is still not a, really, there still isn't a best deck. I mean, people are, are really on the Affinity bandwagon right now, but there's so many ways to hate that deck that people are are, are completely willing to try anything else, and what? literally anything else. Like, yeah, and if you, there's if, a lot of Cryptic Command decks out there that are still out there. LSV and myself are still pumping Tron as an option. LSV says that he's been... Staying on Tron mostly because he likes hardcasting Emrakuls, um, which is fun. But but. Let me let me actually since you mentioned Affinity, um, there actually no no Affinity in this top eight. There's actually no Affinity in the top sixteen of this PTQ. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, the the last deck in that uh, at eighth place is a rug deck, um, very very uh, streamlined Delver deck. Mark Sun's pumping his fist because he loves that deck. Um, the you know, the, the bottom half of the top 16 has uh, a deck that we didn't have in the top 8, which is Twin. We actually didn't have Twin or Storm in the top 8, which is definitely worth noting. Um, then, this is a really interesting deck, which we, we touched on it. Um, actually, no, we didn't touch on this one. This one is a combination of Through the Breach and um, Windbrisk Heights Emrakul combo. Um, and it plays Spectral Possession and uh, Timely Reinforcements with Wimbrisk Heights and Emrakul, as well as Through the Breach. Like, right. So it does everything it, everything it can to cheat Emrakul into play. And uh, this, got, I mean, this got 11th place at a pretty big PTQ. Actually, this one was the one that was run, I think it started at 2 in the morning or something. Yeah, it was absurd. Like, like, like it's midnight Pacific Standard Time or something. Yeah, I think it was 11 Standard Pacific, and so it started at like... You know, 2 a.m. here. Maybe it was supposed to be nicer to MTG players in Japan. No, I mean, they, yeah. they, they do that. They run it at weird hours because it's not like everyone in the world is on Eastern Standard Time. It's or, also or like Magic players don't sleep, too. Like, but it was on a Sunday, so, like, obviously nobody with a job was able to run that one. Right. Uh, Ruben, you would like this deck. This is the 13th place deck is a um, Kipkin deck. Nice! Complete with... Actually, it has no meter vaults, um, but it has four Wimbrisk kites, and then all the all the fixings: cloud goats, figures, night metagrain, ranger vios, wisdom send, wise and send, spectrals. Sideboard is really good. Um, it has combust blood moons, canoness, and kataki. How how elegant can you be? Just wow. four cards. You know what? You're dead to. Very board cool. Board it in. And this deck looks pretty awesome. Um, now, we could talk all day about the lists that are out there. Um, if you were going to play in a tournament tomorrow, you know, what, what, what are you grinding? What are you testing right now? Oh, man. Uh, I'm not I'm not played in a couple days. Like, I was on Splinter Twin really hard, and people... I've seen a lot more Combust now, and Combust is, like, the most awkward card for the deck. So I don't know if I'm still going to be on it, but... Let's uh, play Metagenic Growth. Oh, I hate that answer so much. <laughs> It's so odd. Oh, just growth. Like, okay, so I got to play my sideboard card that only deals with your sideboard card. Awesome. 
Um, I don't know what I would play right now. Uh, I, I, I've actually been thinking more about playing, uh, just trying out just Burn. Because mm. I think that um, it's, it's just really good against a lot of the decks in the format. That, you know, I've a lot of the, the other really aggressive decks I think you had problems with are showing up a little bit less and less. And, you know, I, I just think it's really solid and you just got to smash people. Now, the big downside is that, you know, you play against the uh, Scepter deck and you just put a Lightning Helix on there, and I'm not sure how you raise that. <laughs> Uh, you know, there's just a, you know, uh, I, I was a huge fan of the Red Robots deck, but I'm not sure if that's the right, uh, right way to be going. I heard around. a lot of people are dying to Reign of Gore these days. Yeah, Reign of Gore, uh, is, uh, is, is an actual card, somehow. Um, the, uh, our friend Coop, uh, he had a moto photo, which actually, I, I don't even know that, that that group exists, but he posted a, a picture that I thought was really funny. He has in play against his red-black burn opponent. He has in the bin a timely reinforcements and in play a Baneslayer Angel and a Worm Coil Engine. Okay, so that means that he probably had them in play at separate turns. Uh, and he's at three life. His opponent has his final spell that he's casting at Coop, which was a lightning bolt at his head. And the reason that he died was in Saring Bridge. Mm. Yeah. So wow. uh, the well, if this guy, uh, to be fair, was playing, like, the most greedy possible deck. Like, he had Dark Confidant, Surgical Extraction, Flames of the Blood Hand, and Ensnaring Bridge all in the same deck. So, like, probably a little bit roguey. So my comment to him was that it's too bad that he didn't play the Blood Moon because he was playing Tron, and he would have been able to kill it and attack and kill him. Um, But I would expect to see Ensnaring Bridge in higher numbers. I agree. Um... It stops a lot of decks cold, especially game one, where they have no way to deal with it. Uh, like, I mean, if you look at all the banned decks, aside from Cryptic Command, they're dead to that card. The, the really awkward thing is that it doesn't stop Splinter Twin or uh, really Affinity. It doesn't, uh, unless you have zero cards in your hand. Yeah. I mean, which is not not exactly the most likely scenario. But Probably not, no. Um, Ruben, what, so you're playing Tron still. You're I'm still on Tron. Tron. I haven't been convinced that Tron isn't a way to go. Um, I really like the way the deck plays. I've always been a fan of Tron. I've always been a fan of the grindy aggro decks that just have haymakers that you can play. Mm-hmm. Just like to, to grind the game to a halt, and then suddenly, and without warning, an Eldrazi or a Mindslaver or a Karn. A wild Eldrazi appears. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's why I played Grixis last weekend. It's like you, you have a grindy game, and then suddenly Olivia or Inferno Titan, right. you know... Like, I like those kind of decks, and I, and I have not been convinced that that's not a, still a way to go. Uh, I'm stone dead to the burn deck, so hopefully that never happens. That's the thing. There's so, like That's why I'm, I'm really interested in trying the burn deck out more, because there are so many decks that are just like, well, I'm just stone well, dead. Well, it, it's, it's the, th- the thing is that my, my sideboard is, is currently formatted to be against, like, Twin and Birthing Pod and a lot mm. of stuff like that. So I've got, like, Torpor Orbs in the sideboard, and I've got, like... Awkward either sworn canists and rule of laws that I don't know are necessary anymore. But that's the thing about Tron is that you can format the sideboard to be against anything. So if if uh, if Burn becomes more popular of a deck, I can start putting Chalice of the Voids and Sun Droplets in my sideboard. Yeah, that would know. be awkward. Yeah, and that that'd be fine. Well, because this thing is like Burn will never be the top deck, right? But it's like it, it's often like a really good deck to just run randomly because like it, there's always some way to just out life gain 
burn. Like, right, you know, yeah, and if, if, you, if your opponent doesn't have the cyborg hate for you, you're going to win the second game. Well, to be it's fair, like the dredge Burn does. won I mean, the legacy in Star City Games this right, past weekend. Right, so, the only deck that could stop it was just like, yeah, you're not, you know, you're not fair in the Cubs. Like, let me just dump both my reanimation targets in the grave. Sure. You got, I mean, that, that guy, I think his reanimated opponent drew really poorly in the, I think it was, what was top eight or top four. Whenever, whenever he played him, he drew really poorly. But, yeah, like, the other decks were just... Stone dead to it, sure. Dead, so. And that's that's the thing about burn is that sometimes you'll just get people, but yeah, so, then sometimes people will you, just get you. Sometimes, like, you know, it's just like sometimes you just have a deck that does one thing, does it really well, and you know people are not playing hate against it, and you're just like you know turn one bump you, turn two burn you, turn three burn you, turn four, and they're you know like burn you burn you, and they're just like well <laughs> yeah, I guess that's how <laughs> well, they've got right all now. these like you know ways to stop your to stop right. combo. At least I have half an hour in between rounds to go get a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I um, I I'm on one real deck and then one deck that actually just us talking about now kind of makes me want to build it. Um, which is I've been picking up pieces of the Agrolom deck just randomly, but I didn't believe that it could be viable until we started talking about Faithful Suiting. So I actually believe that that deck has a shot um, in the format. Surgical Extraction, obviously not a fun time for that deck, but <laughs> I think people will play hopefully less of that and more on the Graph Dagger uh, Cage plan. Uh, but the real deck that I'm playing is Mono Blue uh, Fairies. That I like this deck a lot. Uh, it's mostly just next level blue or previous level blue, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, but current I like playing... blue. Yeah, current level blue. I like playing clicks. I like playing shackles. I like playing sprites. Yeah, I like activating mutual alts. Let's be honest, these are, these are the few of my favorite things. Do you have any ninjas in that deck to be able to reuse your guys? No, or? I mean, oh, I... Sweet. Can we just be honest? Cast Spellstutter Sprite, resolving that card, whether or not it's, like, the best thing you can do, it feels so yes. good. Absolutely. You just feel so dirty when you're putting... I played... Like, cast a two-drop, and you're like, activate Mutavolt and Spellstutter Sprite. I played Spellstutter Sprite in a blue-white counterbalance fairies deck at States. Um, and I played Fairy Harbinger to be able to set up my counterbalance. Harbinger? Fairy Harbinger. Woo. Man, I sure isn't a Harbinger. It might be Harbinger. Whatever it was, it got me my thing for my counterbalance. And like, Harbinger seems like a completely different thing. Are you really going to be on this, or can I talk? <laughs> the thing is that that deck was fun to play, and I'm, I, I just love casting a Spellstar Sprite. Like, that card is just aggressive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, any closing thoughts before we call this one? Uh, so, I, I think Dark Ascension is not as good of a set as Innistrad. No, certainly not. I mean, it's, like, I think that it succeeds on a lot of levels. Uh, but, you know, I, a lot of the tropes are a little bit older. That, like, you know, like Innistrad had all these like, really awesome things that we hadn't seen. And, uh, but I think that it, it is a great second set. You know, second sets are really hard to do. Yeah. Um, you know, you kind of have to balance out the power level with, you know, you, you've already introduced all the mechanics, and you can't, like, use all the ideas. Right, and you have to live up to expectations with half the cards. Right, right. Uh, you know, and then obviously we have a, a third set coming out. And now, interestingly, with the third set being a large set, uh, this, it, they seem to be taking it a different way that they took Rosdale Drazi, where there's, um, you notice that we had five um, colorless lands that uh, enemy color activations in the first set, right? Mm-hmm. How many are in this set? Two. Two. Which means there will be three. There will probably be three in the last set. Sure. Which means they, you know, they'll, they'll take the idea that you would do like a, 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 you know, two small, one large, but continue cycles 
throughout the whole block. And that that seems like a really interesting way to tie the whole the whole block together. Yeah. Because yeah. Rise of the Eldrazi was really just a different set. Yeah. Right. There was no, you know, same setting but completely different mechanics. They could really take a lot of this the 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 um the themes that were going on in the first set, a lot of the cycles, and you know, stretch out over the, the block yeah. and but you know And still have a good standalone. Right, exactly. And so like, you know, we have we need a blue green land, a blue red land, and a white red land. And it could be that they tie in better with the mechanics in the third set than they would in the second set. And so, you know, you really get a better idea of this being a block and it feeling like a block yeah. without having it, you know, like Rise of Eldrazi, which, you know, just had, you know, other than setting, just zero yep. connection whatsoever with Seneca. Right, right. Absolutely. My final note is um, every once in a while, uh, a new Twitter name comes along that's just amazing. Um, and it ties in very well with magic cards. Uh, at a mental misstep, at wildest nacatl, at all suns dawn, and we've had a new one today, uh, which is Kenny Mayer, of Mayer, of, uh, of uh, former Virginia State champion fame. Everybody knows Kenny Mayer. Uh, he's uh, former he, battle maybe, of wits at SCG former Charlotte. aggro battle of wits he, player. He may be the world's second biggest fan of Wild McCall. Right. He's also my better looking doppelganger. Oh, yes. That's um, true. Anyway, <laughs> he is now at Mayor of Avabrook, spelled M A Y E R of Avabrook on Twitter, and he got more followers in one day than I had <laughs> because because of that name because that it name's awesome. insane. So. Good luck to him, and uh, hopefully he doesn't get spammed too much. <laughs> yeah, I got no closing thoughts this week, except um, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. Um, I'm I'm really impressed, I have to say, with the A-Team, and I, I think I may have mentioned it a, a few episodes ago, that I think they're really just the best interview um, podcast out there. I think that when they have the Magic Celebrity uh, people on, I think that they they give the best picture of them. Keep it keep it funny and serious at the same time. Um, I, I definitely think if you if you like to if you like that format of show, I think they finally they've solidified that that's that's kind of what they do. This week's episode was awesome. It was on yeah. like Conley was on it, and it was amazing. Actually, uh, I, I, the, the scumbag story. The, did you intend to? Did you? Yeah. Did you intend to <laughs> to draw? <laughs> um, he actually uh, they they made a joke on the show that. Um, uh, they, he, Conley was insulting like Medina or somebody that, that uh, else that was on there, and said that he was going to make a joke book. And I'm actually, I've actually uh, sent a note to Jay Bush and Connolly and said that I would fund the effort. So I, I actually will fund Daddy Warbuck style if they will make a joke book. I'll pay them nice per per joke. Ruben, if you want to get in on it, absolutely you got it. Um, and uh, I'd love insane. to see a magic coffee table, magic insults. I don't know what it looks like, but I imagine... Can you, big... can you give me one magic insult? Uh, I don't know. Like, Yo Mama is like a <laughs> graft dagger's cage. Like, oh. not like Yo Mama's so fat that you have to have both sides of the card no. caster? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> that was no, cool. like, those are, like, way too... Like, maybe you could have a one-shot section. I don't know, but... Um, and then... Uh, you know, obviously, shout out to my my brothers in the bridge. I just those guys are just my favorite people in the whole world. So Jack, Jack, J. Cal, Taylor, Peter, you guys gotta shout them out. Yeah, yeah. Mark, son, you got anything? Oh, I'm good. Just thanks for having me on. I was just coming over to do booth business. 
It's <laughs> good to You're always to welcome here at the In Contention Podcast. Yeah, until next week, we're in contention.